This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So good to see everybody. Happy Father's Day. Happy Sunday to all the rest of you. Are you excited to be at church? I am so excited to be at church, and I'm I'm so grateful that uh, we get to share life together. And uh, for those of you who are here for the very first time, uh, I just want to extend a special welcome to you. I know what a risk it is to walk into a crowd of people where you might not know anyone uh, and to dare to actually open up one of the most uh, deeply held parts of your life, which is your faith and what you believe. And so today we're going we're gonna to try to be very careful with that and very tender with that. Uh, but at the same time, very truthful with that. So are you ready for the journey? Yeah, yeah good. Let's jump in. Um, as Kevin said, we are, we are finishing a teaching series called Who Needs God? And I, I want to specifically speak to a group of us here today that you're just finding your way potentially to a place of personal faith in God. And, and I want to be careful about how I say that because very few people I meet, even people who haven't been to church for years, that somehow walked away from what they would call organized religion. And usually there's an issue that's involved, but, but you've walked away. And for whatever reason today, you're you're here, which means you're trying to find your way back. But you probably have a lot of fears and you probably have a lot of questions. Um, this is especially for you. It's for all of us, really. But I want, I, I want it to be especially for you because I recognize the vulnerable place that you are. And, and I just want to begin by saying that Church is the perfect place to bring your questions. Not for probably the reasons that you think. So I want to start with a confession of our own, and that is we don't have all the answers. Actually, I have a bunch of questions of my own. And you know something? I, I, I like to think, hmm, I have a running list of questions that I want to ask God when I get to heaven. But I can tell you it won't be okay, God. Come over here and sit down. I got something I want to ask you. Uh, in fact, I might just have my mind so blown that I'm going, uh, I don't really have any questions. Could be one of those moments. But I can tell you right now, one of the great things about this church is we don't claim to have all the answers. We have plenty of questions for which we have no answers. So then you ask me, how can you have faith? We'll talk about that in just a minute. There's a second reason why, and that is because we provide a safe environment and context in which you can process the questions that you have. And I'll explain to you a little bit later how God handles all of this with us. And, and it's a very safe and it's a very inviting way in which he processes all of that with us. So I want to say about our church at New Life, you can belong to this church. You can come here every Sunday. You can actually even work 
uh, in many places in our ministry, even before you believe, before you say, I am making the decision to become a Christian, you can actually be fully a part of our church before you make that decision. Because you know something? I belong to this church, and there are still things I struggle to believe. Got it? Yeah, so you can belong before you believe. I said a while ago that oftentimes when we walk away, maybe from the faith of our childhood, or, or we walk away from organized religion, usually it's over an issue that involves a question. Um, I have a good friend, and she lost her brother in a tragic automobile accident more than 20 years ago. And I know her well, and I know she wants to believe, but she has this question. Why would God allow that to happen to my brother? And somehow in her mind, she has God driving the other car and causing that accident. So I I want to start with a principle that's very important for all of us to realize. And that is, don't discard the undeniable because of what is currently unexplainable. If you wait until you understand everything about the Bible and everything about the world and you have the answer to every question and how God fits into the answer of every question before you decide to believe in God, friend, you never will. And yet, if you will open your eyes and look around at this world, you will realize there has to be a God. When you take all of the uh, cumulative human intelligence, if you could do that and you could put it all in a very large building and everything that every human being knows anywhere on the face of the earth, all the most brilliant people in the world, all the scientists, all the researchers, all the psychiatrists, the psychologists, and all the rest of us, and you put us all in, in one building, and you gave us one task, and that is from completely just plain atoms and molecules, I want you to create a living creature. We could not even create the simplest of living creatures. Somebody had to do that. Somebody who's wiser and smarter than all of our intelligence put together. You see, don't discard the undeniable, the fact that there has to be somebody out there for what you can't currently explain. So we're going to press into this a little bit this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do something that I think might perhaps be the most difficult thing that any of us ever do. And that is, I'm going to encourage us to be completely honest about what's going on in our hearts. Now, if you've been married for longer than three days, (laughs) you have painted for your spouse 
a picture of why you did what you did that you knew was sort of borderline acceptable and maybe over the border, but you painted the most beautiful picture about your motives for why you did that. And they looked at you and they said, you're full of it. Because they saw right through it. You'd be amazed at how often we take what we have done that we know is not correct and we somehow paint a beautiful narrative over the top of it so that we won't have to feel guilty about it. And we do that so often that sometimes it's very difficult for us to be absolutely, completely, and fully honest with ourselves. And this morning, I know you're sitting in church, but I'm going to ask you to dare to dig into your heart deep enough that you are willing to admit something that's actually true of all of us, and that is there are times when you wish there was not a God. And this is church. But the truth is, we all have. Huh. And there are three basic fears and realities that we have. And we all have them because we're all human. And if the truth were known, when we think about those realities, there are times that we actually wish there was not a God. Because if there was not a God, then those things wouldn't be real in our lives. And that seems to be the easiest and best way to deal with it in that moment of time. Blaise Pascal, a French um, behavioralist, uh, a couple of centuries ago said this, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find what? Attractive. Can I tell you, that if you, if you have made up your mind that you actually don't want to believe in God, there's probably nothing I could say to you today, no matter how uh, invincible the proof, that would cause you to walk out of this place a believer. Because we almost always draw conclusions based upon what we want to believe. I want to talk to you for a couple of minutes at the beginning about a guy by the name of Dr. Thomas Nagel. Very interesting guy. He's a, he's a New York University professor of philosophy and law. He was educated at Cambridge and Harvard, and he's an atheist. Now, it's interesting. I'm showing you a book cover here called The Last Word, and I'm going to read you a quote out of that book that he wrote a few years ago. But recently, he, he wrote and published a book called Mind and Cosmos, And that part of it was sort of interesting, but the subtitle on the cover of the book is what actually really captured my attention. And the subtitle of the book is Why Materialistic Darwinianism Almost Certainly Cannot Be True. Hmm. Now when you read that, you would think, oh, this guy must be a Christian. Now, why would a guy who looks at Darwinianism and goes from a very, very educated standpoint and informed standpoint, why would he look at that and go, no, that it does not explain the world? Seriously, that cannot explain the world. And then look at all the religious alternatives 
and not become one of them? Why would he not become a Christian? Why would he not become a Muslim or, or, or a Hindu or, or, or some other thing that could actually explain the existence of the world? And this is where I have a lot of respect for this guy because he has the courage to do what I think oftentimes we don't about ourselves. He had the courage to look down in his heart and in his book, The Last Word, this is what he said. I want atheism to be true. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. You can understand why that would make him uncomfortable, right? He goes on to say, it isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Can I say to you and me that there's a little Thomas Nagel in all of us? And there are times when if people could read our hearts, hmm, that would be what's there. St. Augustine centuries ago said, we love the truth when it enlightens us, but we hate the truth when it convicts us. There's a guy who dared to be honest, right? That's where we all live. Okay, So, if the question is, who wants God? The truth is, at some point, none of us does. It all depends upon how big a trouble we're in at the time. If life is really tough and we need help, oh, please, I hope there's a God. But if everything is good and we feel like we've got the world by the tail and, and, and we have all these things that we want to do, well, God gets in the way of some of those things. And the truth is, we all have to admit, at some points, there are times when God is very inconvenient for us. Why is that? Because there are things that you and I intuitively know, way down in our core, that are undeniably true if God exists. And I, w- I want to direct our attention to three of them this morning uh, and, and just press into them a little bit. Here's what we all know. If God, if he exists, well, then I'm guilty. Do we like that word? Nope. We hate that word. But intuitively, we know that if there is a God, then at some level, and actually it's a fairly extensive level, I'm guilty. Now, the Bible puts it all right out there for us. All of us have, what's that word? Sinned. We don't like that word either, right? In fact, we have a preferred word for our sins. It's called mistakes. Right, I boo-booed. Yeah. Huh. You might buy that, but no one in your world buys that. And actually, when you get honest with yourself, you, you don't buy that either. Are you telling me that every time you've done something that was wrong, it was a complete surprise to you that that was wrong? No. There are many times when you did what you know you shouldn't do, and you knew it was wrong, and you knew you weren't supposed to do it, but by golly, you did it anyway, right? Yeah, we all got that. 
Kevin loves to say, you know what sin is? That stuff that you lay in bed and say, why did I do that? Why I'm never doing that again. And, and all that stuff. Yes, we all have that because all of us have sinned and our quote mistakes are actually sins. And no one has to tell us that. We actually know that when we get honest with ourselves. But the problem is confounded by this. Our guilt continually follows us. We can try to give it a better name and therefore lessen our guilt. But you know, when we're alone and we're by ourselves and the noise of the world all stops and we're left with only us and who we are and what we've done, ah, that doesn't feel so good. Why? Because we've been wired by the one who made us to connect guilt and sin. Not because he hates us, but because he realizes if there was no guilt for sin, no one would care about sin. And we would just hurt each other and not care. But we have a third problem, and that is we're actually not done sinning yet. That's a real problem. As your pastor, would you love for me to shake your hand on the way out the door and say, hey, when are you going to stop sinning? (laughs) Yeah. Because the truth is, no matter how hard we try, we are human and this just keeps happening. Doesn't have to rule our lives, doesn't have to dominate our lives, but, but it definitely is present. So that's the first thing we have to deal with. If God, I'm guilty. And that makes us feel uncomfortable. So sometimes we wish there wasn't a God. Here's the second thing. If God, I'm accountable. This is a judgment word. Okay? I'm accountable. When I'm held accountable for what I've done, it means that someone has to sit and view what I've done and then draw conclusions about it. And if it's not good, they have to hold me accountable, which usually means some form of punishment. When you're held accountable at work and you do something wrong, do you get a raise? No, you might get fired, right? And so we tend to not like this word either. And there are times when we wish, oh man, I, I, I sort of wish there wasn't a God because if there wasn't, I've got something I'd like to do. Now I'm going to ask you to, to, to be open about this, okay? Have you ever wished that you could kill somebody? I have. I'm a human being. And I know that if you were totally honest there are times when you looked at someone and you, and you said in your heart, I wish they did not exist. And if someone had come up to you and said, look, I'm going to give you a free pass. You can wipe them out. No consequences. No accountability. No one will ever know it. Not even God himself. You got a free pass. I am so glad that about four times in my life no one made that offer to me. Because I probably would have taken somebody out. I I know you're going, oh my gosh. No, I'm just daring to be honest with you and asking you to be that honest with yourself. Because here's, here's what Jesus told his followers. 
He said there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. That's a, that's, that's a long thing for sinning and being dishonest. So he called him in and he asked him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management. And in our heart of hearts, we all know that at some point we have to give an account for what we've done with our life. If there is a God. If God, I'm accountable. And there are times when we would love not to be accountable. But here's the problem. Unaccountable people often make regrettable decisions. Have you noticed that? At the points at which you don't want to be accountable, tell me, are those your best decisions? Are those the really good things you want to do? Are you kidding me? When I'm about ready to do something that's great, I love it when people accidentally notice. Yeah, We're all wired that way. Yes. So God says, hey, if I exist... I've wired into you, hardwired into you, a sense of accountability. Huh. Here's the third big fear we have. If God, I'm wrong. Guys, can you say that word? Er, 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 er. Yeah, we have a hard time with that one, right? We, you know, we never say wrong unless it's got you in front of it. But don't kid yourself, I've met a whole bunch of people from the fairer gender who have the same difficulty. This is a human malady. And we all know if God, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about some things that I believe. I'm wrong about some opinions that I hold. I'm wrong about some judgments that I make. I'm wrong about some decisions that I make. I'm wrong about some actions that I do. If there is a God, I intuitively know at some level I'm wrong. The Apostle Paul writes about this and he says, even if everyone else is a liar, God is what? True. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. Speaking about God. In other words, even if you could take God to court, you would lose. Yes. Because we all know that I'm wrong is actually a true statement. But I want to show you the good side of that statement. Do you realize I'm wrong is oftentimes the most direct route to discovering what is right. Have you ever tried to defend something that you knew was wrong? Ever been in, in, a, in a fight with your spouse? I mean, in a Christian argument with your spouse? <laughs> and the longer that discussion went on, the more you realized they were right, you were wrong, but you were not about to give up the ground you had taken. Yes, if you've been long, you've married longer than three days, you've probably done that. Yeah. And isn't it amazing when you have the humility to say, I'm wrong, how easy the truth is to get at? Hmm. I'm wrong is actually most often the most direct route to discovering what is actually right and true. So the real issue isn't God's existence for most of us. There's a mountain of evidence for the existence of God. The real issue for us, for, for us, and especially for those of us who have sort of been alienated from organized religion, 
The real issue is our resistance over something. And quite likely, if we pushed on it long enough, it would come to one or more of these three basic fears that we have about the existence of God. So God knew all that. Did God do something about that? Yes, he did. You know what God did? And before I show you what it is, most of us don't like if statements because there's a great deal of uncertainty about the word if. We're much more comfortable with things that are clearly defined than just left in the if category. What God wants us to do is exchange the if for a with. If God says one thing, with God says something entirely different. Let's take a look. So let's start with the first one. If God, I'm guilty. But with God, there's forgiveness. Huh, which one of those would you rather live with? That's an easy sell, isn't it? Oh, this is where we would love to live. So the Apostle Paul writes, and I'm reading from the translation called The Message, sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, but notice what grace does. And that's the end of it. Grace, however, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, grace invites us into what? Life. Wow. That's a beautiful choice. You can choose to live with the if God and the, and the guilt will follow you, or you can choose to actually go through this life with God and live in full forgiveness. Wow. It's what Justin talked to us about this morning uh, in the middle of our singing time. He talked about the fact that God loved us and he came and he interrupted our world and he died on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven and we could actually receive his invitation into life which means, if God, I'm guilty. With God, I'm forgiven. If God, I'm accountable. If God, I know he has the right and the position to judge me, and he can hold me accountable, and he can determine the punishment for my sin, and intuitively I know that's not going to be good for me. If God, I'm accountable, but with God, there's relationship. You know, one of the best things about friendship is that friends have a wonderful way of holding each other accountable and therefore bringing out the best in each other. Have you noticed that? Well, what if you could move God from being your judge to being your friend? Here's how Jesus put it in the book of Revelation. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you will eat with me. Think with me for a minute. It's Father's Day today. You know what that means? 
I know that virtually any house I went to, you're going to be eating something very good. Because everybody knows dad loves to eat, right? Yeah. How good of friends do we have to be for me to just cruise up to your house today, knock on the door, you open the door, and I say, hey, what's for dinner? We better be very good friends, right? Very good friends. Whoa, whoa, listen, look at this. Jesus says, I cruise up to the door of your heart. I knock on the door of your heart. And when you come to the door, I say, hey, what's for dinner? Wow. We can take God either as our judge, but with God, he becomes our friend. How about the third one? If God, I'm wrong. We hate that word. We have a hard time saying it. We don't like it. We say mistaken. We, we say, well, I didn't know better. We, yes, okay, I'm wrong. There's a whole thing that comes with that. But with God, there is truth. Think with me for a minute. In God's love, God knows everything that's true And we know everything we think is true. But as we go through this life, if you ask anybody that's actually really objective in this world, okay, the older we get, the more we realize we do not know. If you want someone with all the answers, you find someone that's in the early part of their adulthood. Because by the time they live to my age, they realize... By golly, I don't got it. And it's not because I forgot it. I actually realize I don't know it. Yeah. And the amazing thing about God is the moment that you choose to follow him, he could just pull back the veil and let the, 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 the light of his truth just blast everything that we hold on to that we think is true, but it's not true. And we would be crushed under that. But you know what God does? When we start to walk with him, he opens it a little bit at a time. And we can adjust to that truth. And then God shows us the next and the next and the next. Because you remember with God, there's relationship. And he's actually working for our good. Have you ever invested in something heavily and you found out it was not true? If you have, you got severely hurt and disappointed and maybe lost a boatload of money because it turned out not to be true. Listen, the most important thing that you possess is your life. If there's anything that you want to invest in truth and not be wrong about, it's your life. And you know something that God never has to say that you and I say all the time? Oops. He never says it. He never has to. Jesus Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if the question is, who wants God The truth is, at times, none of us does. 
because it addresses some of these three basic fears. But if the question is, who needs God? The answer is, actually, all of us do. I want to take you back to a principle I taught at the very beginning. Friend, you may have come with a question that you can't explain, but don't let that stand between you and God. Don't discard the undeniable for what is currently unexplainable. Get on board with the undeniable and trust at some point God will lead you to where you can understand that. The brother of Jesus wrote this to all of us. And, you know, it's hard for us to say I'm guilty. It's hard for us to be on the wrong side of accountability. And it's hard for us to say I'm wrong. James says this, Humble yourselves before God. Come close to him. And God will come close to you. And he says, wash your hands and purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided. And that's where we sit a lot of times. At points, I want to believe in God. And at other points, I don't want to believe in God. And at some points, God would be really convenient. And at other times, God is really inconvenient. And and we just get led around by all of these things. James says, whoa, 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 humble yourselves. You're struggling with a divided loyalty. Between God and the world, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. The team's going to come out and sing a song and I want you to do some business with God as they sing. Okay? Uh, If you want to, I would encourage you to close your eyes because this song is really a message from Jesus to his children. It is this whole message in a song. It's what he would want you to have. And for those of you who have never made the decision, hey, you know, I may go to church, I hang around, my wife or my husband is a Christian or my kids are, but I've actually never made the decision, wow, I want to follow Christ with my life. I want that forgiveness. I want that relationship. I want God's truth. And I really want it in my life. So today I choose to follow him. Then this, during this song would be a great time for you to make that decision. And for those of you who have sort of wandered away and somehow you're feeling your way back in, I'm so glad you're here today. This would be a time for you to make the decision and say, you know what? I'm not going to discard the undeniable with what is currently unexplainable to me or because of what some person who was a pastor or, or my father or father-in-law or mother or mother-in-law, somebody else who claimed to be a Christian and was actually not doing a very good job of it, I'm not going to let that stand between uh, God and me. So listen to this wonderful invitation from Jesus to you. Thank you. safe here with me There's no need to cover what I already see You got your reasons but I hold your peace You've been on lockdown and I hold the key Cause I loved you before you knew
enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.